today on State Scoop's Priorities Podcast from Scoop News Group. Saving time for farmers with an app in Minnesota. Welcome to State Scoop's Priorities Podcast. Every Thursday, you'll get insights into the state and local government technology community. You'll hear from top leaders across the state and local world and learn about the latest news and trends ahead for the industry. I'm your host, Jake Williams. Here's what's happening this week. New York State's Education Commissioner is banning the use and purchase of facial recognition technology in public and non-public elementary and secondary schools. The ban says that the concerns surrounding the technology are not outweighed by the benefits and requires schools to discontinue using all facial recognition technology products. The order follows a report from the state IT agency that found school personnel, parents, staff, and vendors were, quote, overwhelmingly against the use of facial recognition and other biometric technologies in schools. The U.S. Department of Labor announced it will award more than $200 million in grants to labor departments in 18 states, as well as the U.S. Virgin Islands, to modernize and strengthen unemployment insurance systems. A ransomware incident that affected several city services in Dallas earlier this year leaked the information of more than 30,000 individuals, city officials say. The city's chief information security officer, Brian Gardner, says the hacking group Royal was behind the attack and that the offenders have downloaded nearly 1.2 terabytes of the city's 3,800 terabytes of data. The city has recovered now back to 99.9% normal operations, he says. You can find these stories and more at statescoop.com and in links in today's show notes. Minnesota ranks in the top five nationally for agricultural production. In order to make that sustainable going forward, the state's Department of Agriculture is looking for new ways to ensure a new generation of farmers can keep it alive. The state spent two years transforming its FarmLink application from a web portal to a sophisticated information exchange that provides small and large farms and farmers access to information and opportunities. Devondra Gajway is a senior project manager for the FarmLink project at the Minnesota IT Services Agency. He, along with agency's chief business technology officer Tyrone Spratt, tells StateScoop's Keely Quinlan about the project and how works. I think key features of FarmLink I would like to highlight. Okay, so farmers are able to post the job opportunities and mentorship along with the ability to, you know, work with the applicants, review those applicants, you know, and then probably in self-service manner. So initially it was completely like a person, not not at all person-centric. It's a view web-based, only view only. Everything was done by the MDA coordinator or Department of Ag coordinator. Now, what we want is, and that's why we are calling it person center way to keep Minnesota farming culture striving. Okay, that's that's the key thing. Okay, and again, I think the second piece to that is farmer or which are seeking out from transition from farming business and the new beginning farmers, you know, they want to come in. So I think we want to connect with them. So I think that collaboration, okay. Uh, So again, I would give you a simple example of this. Uh, You probably, or everybody knows the Craigslist platform, okay. So we want to keep it in that way. Okay, so that was the key intention of FarmLink. Okay, frankly speaking, when I saw this, I was I was blown up with the idea. Okay, and I think it's it's basically you know desire to connect everybody. Okay, remove the you know uh, uh, MDA coordinator's role because he was spending like seven hundred hours in a year just to get something by a web by a email or a manual, you know, a hard copy request and adding those. And I think the key issue was, okay, he was only making all those changes. Okay, he was only making all those connections. So one person is doing everything. Now I think people are able to connect. And I think sometimes people are even not 
not you know uh, comfortable when some middle person is there too okay and communication is again through a blind emails that's what we start okay uh, we have a website with multiple uh, modules okay but the point is uh, initially we didn't have where you can create your own account you know manage your posts that is everything brand new wow so basically what I'm hearing is that this is a platform that connects farmers with folks that are interested in land. Is that correct? Yes. So it could be a land, okay, or land. even a mentorship, okay, or somebody wants to get training from the old farmer, okay, or old farmer wants to provide, yes, I'm available for coaching, maybe 20 hours a week, okay, even that mentorship opportunity is also there, okay. So we have different modules here. Okay, Kelly. Uh, so basically, we divided the uh, project in multiple things where like login and new enrollment is one thing, emerging or current farmer is one module, okay, land for sale, rent, or livestock farm for sale or rent is one module, okay. And then also we have job seekers, job postings, you know, mentorship seeking or mentorship postings. And apart from that, yes, we had to give admin functionality to our, uh, you know, uh, MDA coordinator eventually, who can basically manage and make sure everything runs smoothly too. Gotcha. So, you know, you mentioned some of the, the problems with the, the old version, right? Mm -hmm. There was like a lack of like connection there. So what were some of the key priorities for this update? Okay, so the first thing is this uh, original website was decade old, okay? So because it was decade old, making any changes to that was very, very difficult, okay? Again, as a state, we worked with the state security and accessibility statutes, okay? Even making up to that level was difficult for uh, Minnesota IT staff okay support staff and i believe even uh, business understand that and eventually uh, they feel like there is a need to upgrade this so of course we upgraded it to that time whatever is the latest and greatest we could do okay so that we can make sure we can accommodate all those needs at the same time making it sure it's accessible and secure as per the state standards okay so the key need was yes it was in a pretty rudimentary form, okay? And we want to make it self-serviceable form, simple. Yeah, sounds like it's like Facebook for farmers, no? Able to <laughs> able to connect with, you know, other people doing the same thing as you and also garner mentorship. I mean, that sounds like a really important service for a lot of, you know, folks that are mostly in like rural areas in this state, it sounds. So would you mind talking about why the person-centered approach was so crucial to this project? Okay. Uh, so again, person-centered approach is, I think, probably something new. Uh, and again, this is not just farmling. I, I believe this is where industry is going, right? So service approach, right? Okay. Uh, but again, uh, I think person-centric approach in this case makes really important because you are removing that barrier in between and people can freely connect, right? They are not worried that somebody seeing this or when this will take action, you know, that kind of stuff. So I think first thing is the time. Very quickly it's being, you know, actioned, okay? Uh, at the same time, 
sometimes you know or when it was managed before okay uh, i think there were postings where it was very difficult for the uh, department of act coordinator if this post is really valid or not okay so he has to reach back to the person who created the post and he will wait for months to get response okay so not sure the post is really valid or not now when it comes to person centric approach we are getting the latest information available at your fingertips so i believe that's a very key thing here okay uh, because we make it accessible it's easy to use okay easy to navigate on the screens and stuff like that so i think that makes more intuitive for this farmers you know and i believe not just that because we have a lot of new farmers and as i mentioned mentorship opportunity there was a survey done in i think 2022 okay where the young farmers who said it's very difficult for them you know to look for whatever is available you know uh, so they are seeking for farmers you know farming opportunities but again they were finding it very difficult for finding available lands to buy or even rent and even they are posting the actual opportunities for the rent where or even the mentorship opportunities where they can transition into partnership eventually if they work together okay and i think right now in minnesota every one farmer who is under 35 years of age we have six farmers over 65 years of age so we are talking about six six people or probably you can say percentage wise right okay maybe 70% you know is more on third generation farmers and probably if you want to grow we need probably the first generation farmers to step into this okay so i think for them person centric approach would be really important and that's why the key for us to probably move in that direction yeah absolutely and you know tyrone i would love to hear from you too about kind of the like underlying dynamics that statistic that devendra just mentioned is so interesting about you know kind of the aging process that's happening within this within this industry so would you mind speaking to that and why you know this app um can you know either connect folks that maybe wouldn't be connecting or um, some of the other benefits that it provides, you know, Minnesotans. Yeah, thank you for that, Kylie. Um, the, you know, Minnesota, the agriculture industry is is of one of the most important industries um, driving our our economic engine here in Minnesota. And as Devendra quoted around that stat, for every one farmer who's under the thir- uh, age of thirty five, there is six over the age of sixty five. So those headwinds of, well. In so many words, who's going to farm the land into the future is the question. And the Department of Agriculture, one of its roles is to really to advance the agriculture economy here in the state of Minnesota. One of the things that we saw as an opportunity is how do we bridge those already in the farming industry who are looking to sell their family farm, who are looking to, they have lots to offer and mentorship opportunities, who are looking for opportunities maybe to hire um, individuals who are interested in farming to give them, again, that uh, that advantage of their expertise um, and skill sets and, and knowledge over the years. And so as a Department of Agriculture and its responsibility to continue to drive that economic engine um, that is agriculture, this certainly fit the bill of how to connect folks kind of with that common interest. I'm interested in farming, you're interested in sharing something about farming or to sell your land or to sell your farm or to bring others in. And so it's at that intersection that this product, this solution 
helps to bridge that farmers together. And, and as Devendra talked a little bit about to do that in a way in which maybe regulators and IT isn't necessarily in the middle of that relationship building, that the, the software is built in such a way to allow those two entities or individuals to get together on their terms when they want to in the ways in which they want to. Um, and so we're hopeful that in, in general, this will help support and provide even more opportunities for future farmers to kind of get into the industry and maintain Minnesota's position from that perspective. Yeah, absolutely. Because farm farmland in Minnesota makes up what half the state? How much by land? Ooh, that's a good question. I don't have that. Um, <laughs> wait, um, in this in our story, I'm looking twenty six million acres of farmland. You're right, Kelly. That's fifty one percent total area. A little over of, half. Yeah, yeah. That little is incredible. that is remarkable. <laughs> that is, and I don't. Yeah. So I live in Tennessee. My immediate assumption about Minnesota wouldn't be farming. Is that bad? <laughs> <laughs> No, you know, I think it's actually good because Minnesota is really dynamic. If you think about the number of even Fortune G's, probably 25 organizations that we have in the state of Minnesota. Minnesota is diversified, I think, in our economy. And I think it proves out in a lot of ways um, that diversification. But that's maybe beyond my level of expertise. But um, yeah, I think many would say, yes, think of Minnesota as more than yeah. farming. Um, I think we've worked hard at that. You know, right. Got a major sport. Um social, uh, um, you know, entertainment of, of all types um, that are available here in the state of Minnesota. Yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> and, you know, something else I'm really interested in is like, with regards to like such a niche topic, right? Um, and, you know, a, a small, like a smaller section of, of the population, what were the, what was the process like of identifying the, the project's phases? Like how did the like strategic back end of this work? And I don't know if this is a question for, for you, Ty, or for you, Devendra, but I'll let whoever wants to jump in. do Devendra, so. why don't you start a little bit more? Sure. I, I will go ahead with that, Kelly. Yeah. But just, I think, and I, I believe, I think you asked a very good question before, but again, Minnesota ranked top five nationally in agriculture production. So, yeah, which is which is great, and I'm proud of it, honestly speaking. Okay, so regarding the phases, okay, uh, Kelly, I think that's a very good question. Okay, so whenever they identify the need, and of course, this is a COVID baby. It started when we start working from home, where everybody's, you know, transitioning from in office to, you know, work from home phase and all those things. Okay, and so what we initially did was like we divided the project in the phases based on like states, you know, uh, because we have some limitation on funding, you know, three triple constant, I call it scope, schedule and cost. Okay, and everything is related. You, this is a triangle. You change one, uh, you know, side of it, other two will change, or one will change to make sure we we have a, you know, triangle. Okay, so what we did is like initiation and planning phase and design phase. We did it in the waterfall, you know, uh, software methodology, where we did it like, you know, yes, one by one, phase by phase, and everything together. Okay, so once we have that, okay, and once we know the ball part, yes. This is the funding what we require. So you won't believe initiation when we did a charter, okay, where we have everything high level. We are looking at 30,000 feet, you know, on the scope side, okay. We estimated X, but when we actually went in the requirement phase, we had, I believe, 450 lines of requirement for that, 
and that's huge trust me this was initially we thought this is a very small product but it has almost 450 lines of work then it went to design you know and then eventually when we you know did the estimation that was the proper estimation where we are taking a closer look and then eventually the next six phase I think five phases mostly related to work and six phase was basically combining everything and doing a, you know, a system testing and integration testing or user acceptance testing, that kind of stuff we did. So we divided into that next phase, actual implementation into six phases. Okay. And we started with the very simple thing, which is basically, you know, having a login screen or homepage. Okay. And we try building everything on top of that. Okay. On top of that, we build like emerging farmer or current farmer, then land for sale, farm for sale, eventually everything like job seeker, mentorship, you know, that kind of stuff. And at the end, admin functionality. Okay. So yes, that kind of stuff we did in iterations so that our MDA or department of ag coordinator or team does not need to wait till end. What is the end product? because we cannot wait for two years to see them what is the output. So we want the feedback, you know, eventually in the iteration based, you know, agile methodology, you can say that way, okay? So that really helped us, okay? And in this case, we also had some, you know, during the final integration testing, we had some time box testing where we invited not just the MDA coordinator, some other MDA or department of ag user for testing and getting their feedback. And at the end, we also invited the user who are using this functionality to get the feedback before making go live. Okay, so I think we did everything step by step. Yes, we took some baby steps. Okay, uh, and that's the reason it took us long time. We had multiple change requests, if I call it as a project management standpoint. Okay, because we had to make multiple budget change, multiple schedule change requests. Okay, but again, keeping the main intention or goal in the mind, I think we kind of achieved that. And at the end, yes, uh, everybody was happy with the product what we have. Okay. So I'll hand over to Ty now. Yeah, if I could um, jump in on that a little bit. So yeah, what uh, Devendra was sharing is that in part as a small agency, um, agriculture as an agency and its IT staff that we support is on the smaller end of all state agencies within the executive branch within Minnesota. And so one of the challenges, shall I say, that that presents itself is how do we cobble together the money to actually advance work? And what we discovered and, and found that what we were most comfortable with is that that kind of waterfall approach. What do we think the work is going to be? How long do we think it's going to take so we can land on a number so that we can look at all the various funding sources? And I think the venture there was at least, I think, four different funding sources to, to make yes. farm link happen. Yep. So we had to kind of nail that early on to get the funding that we needed. And then Devendra and the team, I think, really saw the opportunity, really kind of uh, adopting it, that human-centered aspect of this work to say, now that we kind of got the money settled in, now we can look at how an agile approach will allow us on that iteration of, uh, perspective, because we knew we had multiple modules, different audiences that might care about different aspects of it, of where we then had the opportunity to kind of break that down into smaller sprints and really to kind of show back, how's this, how's this? So I think there was that shift in planning and scheduling and understanding scope to where we were able to feel comfortable enough to what the funding needed to look like, then we could transition into more agile type of approach to make sure that the functionality and the features 
of the systems were approved and was meeting the needs. And again, kind of removing that big bang of, you told us what you want, we'll see you in nine months and hope that it's the right thing. Um, so I think that transition and, and Devendra and team, I think did a wonderful job of, you know, kind of blending, here's the tools we have available and I need some of this and I need some of that in order to be successful and not just a lockdown. Here's the methodology and we'll make everything fit into that methodology. Really is about getting to the outcome. Um, and Devendra and team, I think did a masterful job of blending um, those different methodologies to get to the outcome. Yeah, so it sounds like there was a perfect blend of like strategy and strategic work. And then also like just having to be flexible and going with it. <laughs> um, yeah, executing is, the strategy. <laughs> yeah, which is, you know, that's life. That's the truth. Yeah. Um, now, you know, one topic that I, I think everyone is concerned with nowadays as it relates to specifically like web and mobile apps, right, is data privacy. Um, you know, could either one of you talk about maybe how that was baked into this update, like considerations about data privacy? Because I'm I'm thinking if this is, you know, connecting folks, um, not just for, you know, like we're talking about like transactional, but also like the social aspect of it. Um, would you mind talking about like how that was considered throughout these uh, throughout this update? Absolutely. I can start first and then I will let Ty speak for that too. Okay. <clears throat> so I think clearly that's a very good question because we are in the internet pretty much open. Okay. But again, uh, I think we handle that authentication part. We have some services already exist in the state. So we use common aspects. Of course, it's a cost saving and our team is a little familiar with that too. Okay. So everything is HTTPS. Everywhere there is a firewall. Okay. So I would just put it in simple way. We have, uh, you know, uh, web server zone, which is, you know, uh, uh, one application, then application server zone and then database. So any interaction between these zones will always through a secure portal. Okay. Authentication, we have a separate module for that too. Okay. And always the servers, what, when we send emails, you know, even we use enterprise SMTP server, which is also pretty much secure. Okay. So we have make sure that there is no data issue where, you know, and again, as you mentioned, like if person created an account, his personal information is not a public. No. Okay. We are pretty much aware of PII data, which is not publicly identifiable data. Okay. So we make sure what is being public based on the forms. We have all that information. So what is shown in the public is basically what the person wants to show on the post, not his own personal data. Okay. And again, even the connection, when we do first email interaction, that's like blind emails. I don't know if you have used Craigslist, okay? When you send the email, you don't get the person's email eventually, okay? It's a blind, but eventually when they connect, then they can share their contact information. So I think that initial handshake we do through blind emails, okay? So I believe everywhere we, we have, and of course we are using database DB2 here, okay? Everything is through firewalls, okay? So we have main, we have kept that, you know, uh, very secure, okay? And of course, everywhere we involve our, we have a security coordinator and probably Ty can speak about that. Everything is being reviewed through that person without his approval, we don't move forward uh, from any phases also. If I uh, add a little bit on that, and one of the things that uh, Devendra and the team were able to take advantage of is really the state's security posture overall. Um, so as, a, uh, uh, as, as you might know a little bit about Minnesota IT services, we have an enterprise 
component and then an ad agency component. Our enterprise, one of the aspects and requirements out of that is around overall accessibility of our applications and driving our standards and compliance therein. And then we also have a, a, a enterprise security uh, team that also has done things to make sure that MDA's public website is sitting behind uh, web, uh, web application firewalls and other defenses, if you will, um, that we're able to leverage because of past investments and uh, focus and execution of strategy from a security standpoint that we were able to leverage from an ad agency perspective. Um, from our ad agency team that Devendra is part of, we typically have responsibility for data stewardship to make sure that the data is secure and available and reliable for our partners. And then we really manage the application portfolio and project portfolio. Other aspects of IT delivery we oftentimes work with our enterprise partners to help make sure things such as security, accessibility, data center, and other aspects of our work are also included, incorporated, leveraged, optimized, if you will, for our use back um, at, at, at agency, in this case, particularly at the Department of Agriculture. So it is kind of continue to rest upon some of those investments and, and the success we've had from a state perspective around those investments that we're able to leverage as we deliver new applications and solutions um, to our agency partners and their stakeholders. Tyrone Spratt, Chief Business Technology Officer at the Minnesota IT Services Agency, along with Devondra Godway, a Senior Project Manager for the office. You can read more about them and FarmLink at statescoop.com and in links in today's show notes. You can subscribe to the Priorities Podcast at PrioritiesPodcast.com and wherever you get your podcasts. While you're there, be sure to leave a review or rating on the podcast page. They make it more likely that more people will find the show. This podcast is a production of Scoop News Group in Washington, D.C. Adam Butler and Carlin Fisher help put it together, and the entire Scoop News Group team contributes. Until next week, I'm Jake Williams. Thanks for listening.